The topic of judging one another is a tricky thing. It can lead to all sorts of divisions in the church as we kind of point the finger at each other. Um, and it can lead to all sorts of uh, bad PR for the church as we look outside the church and we uh, look like this uh, hypocritical, um, but, but uh, uh, we look like this group of people that is unwilling to be introspective to look at our own sin. And of course, Jesus taught about this, right? He said, don't point out the speck in someone else's eye when you've got an entire plank in your own. Because judging is, is a dangerous thing. One of the greatest gifts, though, is that the Lord has given us a conscience. The Lord has put inside of us the ability to tell right from wrong. We don't always listen to it. But the Bible tells us that, that, that the law is written on our hearts. And so we want to be able to use that judgment that's God-given, that's, that's inside of us, to judge right from wrong. And we want to do it to help our brothers and sisters as well in a way that, that uh, does not lead down the path to destruction. Because we know that sin matters, even the littlest sin, that big, big moral failings don't start as big moral failings. They, in fact, start as little compromises. And once we become okay with those little compromises, uh, we blink, and before we know it, we, the, the compromises have grown and grown and grown and grown, and then suddenly um, we are on the path to destruction because we know that sin is destructive. It eats us from the inside out. I can't imagine many people who go into marriage uh, do so thinking that they're capable of having an affair. Affairs, though, they don't start as affairs. They have a beginning that's much more subtle and imperceptible. Uh, affairs begin uh, when a glance at someone of the opposite sex um, becomes a stare and becomes lustful thoughts. Or maybe not even lustful thoughts. Maybe these things are emotional. Maybe we start to receive emotional support from someone else that we ought to be receiving from our spouse and our spouse alone. And it begins there. That it feels good to be uh, uh, feel affection from someone of the opposite sex. And then suddenly, um, you're neck deep in that. That's where affairs start. The reality that what we do matters. Even the little things. Though we sin, we continue to sin. We don't ignore that sin. We bring it to God who forgives all our sin. Quote our prayer book, God desires not the death of sinners, but that we would repent of our sin and live. And this means hating even the littlest sin. Last week I preached from a, a from Paul who wrote, abhor what is evil. Abhor even the littlest thing. Because accepting that can lead to great destruction. So today, again, I'm going to preach from the book of Romans. Uh, if you don't have your bulletins open, would you open them to page 7? Today we're thrown in the middle of a passage. Did it feel that way? Who's this one person that Paul talks about? Like the first sentence, one person does this. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, we're thrown right in the middle. Paul says, one person esteems one day as better than another. So who is this person? Let's take a look at, um, in a minute we're going to look at the, the preceding verses. But what, what Paul is doing right here is he's writing, um, this is a big conclusion to this letter, this book of Romans. 
And a lot of us know the book of Romans fairly well because Romans chapter 3, 4, and 5 are preached on a bunch. They're memory verses from when we were little that talk about what it means um, to be forgiven by God um, and what Jesus did for us. And of course, the rest of this letter is great because it builds on this, but um, it, it's directly related to this idea. And so uh, what he's talking about um, is a particular audience that's filled with Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And he's saying, we all entered the same way. Whether you're an ethnic Jew or a Gentile, your entry was into God's kingdom is through Jesus. So whether you're an observant Jew or a Jew who is a Christian who doesn't observe the old traditions, um, entry into the kingdom has nothing to do with outward observance of the law. So that's, that's what, that's what the, the, the early argument of Romans is. Um, that Paul is writing that uh, God justifies the sinner, whether you're Jew or Gentile. God's story is that of forgiving sinners. That God, Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so we focus a lot in Romans 3, 4, and 5 uh, because, you know, there's this thing called the Reformation where this was a big topic of contention. Um, but uh, there's this whole other book that's great. And here we are in chapter 14. There's so much more for us in Romans. So today we're dealing with an issue um, uh, that helps to complete his thoughts. We enter into the kingdom through Jesus, so how do we continue in the kingdom? Last week we talked about life in the kingdom, how we um, love what is good and abhor what is evil, all those things. Uh, chapter 14 starts this way. So this is the one person and the other person. Paul writes, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So these are the first four verses that Paul writes in, in Romans 14. And then he continues. Um, this idea of one person uh, eating vegetables, one person eating meat. And he said, this is a personal preference. It, it, don't judge that person. Um, that's okay, because God has welcomed him. Uh, they have entered through the merits of Jesus Christ, and they stand by the merits of God. So who are you to judge him? And uh, what, what this is about is, is essentially about Jewish Christians who have come into the faith and have continued to maintain ritual purity. So they continue to eat kosher. And the easiest way in the Roman Empire to continue to eat kosher, um, so part of that has to do uh, with the type of meat you eat. Part of it has to do with um, the way that the meat is butchered. It doesn't come in contact with other things. Is the butcher virtually pure? Some of it has to do with, is this meat sacrificed to idols? And the easiest way to make sure that you are safe on all of those accounts is to just not eat meat. But some people, um, whether they're Gentiles or Jews who are Christians, say none of that matters because the whole ritual law was something that was leading up and, and, and was leading up to Jesus and was fulfilled in Jesus. And that's not something we need to stick with anymore. And so they disagree about this point, and, um, and instead of just being like, we can agree to disagree, that they were actually judging one another. 
And the same thing goes with Jewish festivals. Of course, the, the Jewish, uh, the Jews, they, they had their own liturgical calendar. Um, they had uh, the Feast of Passover, which we remember, we're pretty familiar. This recalls the, uh, God's salvation uh, for them from slavery in Egypt. Every year they would celebrate Passover, and of course we know uh, one very special Passover celebration when Jesus um, uh, had the first Lord's Supper with them, the Last Supper, where we get communion. That was a Passover celebration they were celebrating. And we know another one, um, that the gift of the Holy Spirit was on the day of Pentecost. Well, Pentecost isn't just a Christian holiday. Pentecost was, uh, was a day when all the Jews throughout the empire came to Jerusalem to celebrate the giving of the law. And so they have, uh, three of their festivals were actually pilgrimage festivals, where Jews from throughout the empire were expected to travel. Whether you were in Italy, or Greece, or Turkey, you, uh, Jews would be expected to travel to Jerusalem to celebrate these festivals. We don't really have an equivalent of this today, because uh, travel back then was dangerous. What happens when people get, to, get in boats in the New Testament? Seems like half the time they, they have a shipwreck, right? Um, uh, it was dangerous, it was expensive, uh, lost wages, all that stuff. And, and so I could see how um, a, an observant Jewish Christian would look at, 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 at a non-observant and be like, three times a year, uh, I take off work, I, I have to talk to my boss, and, and we get a schedule, and, and uh, we get shipwrecked, and it was terrible. Uh, and, and it would be easy to look at, at these uh, other, these Gentile Christians as lightweights and to pass judgment on them. Paul writes in verse 7, he says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. I've referenced this verse several times throughout the course of this pandemic. This is, this is our fight song, right? That we don't fear the pandemic for our sake. That we are very cautious in what we do during this pandemic for the sake of the vulnerable, for those who are immunocompromised. We aren't scared of death in the same way that, that maybe other people are because we know that we belong to the Lord's, that he holds us in his hand. Now that means we wear seatbelts and we, do, we, are, we are wise, but we don't fear death either. We belong to the Lord, whether we live or die. We are the Lord's. And on its own, that verse is powerful. Next, uh, next week, uh, we're going to look at the uh, book of Philippians, where Paul writes um, something kind of similar to this, about, like, well, if, 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 I, if I live, I live, and that's great, because I get to do the Lord's work. And if I die, if, if um, living for the Lord leads to my execution because it's illegal to be to do what I'm doing, to preach the gospel, um, then that's okay too, because I get to be with the Lord. What a treasure that will be. Wow. We don't look forward to that. We don't fear it. It's tremendous comfort that we have that unbelievers don't have. And it's one of our core values as a church that in Christ we have a new identity. We belong to him. This affects everything. It gives us security. It gives us significance. We don't have to strive in this world to build a legacy for ourselves. Our legacy is in Jesus. Our security, our sense of worth, is not come from external things, but, be, but based on what Jesus has done for us. Jesus is our significance. Jesus is our security. Jesus is our treasure. 
And we know that God holds us in his hands. We are not afraid of death. We don't, we do not fear death. We are secure because whether we live, we live to the Lord. And whether we die, we die to the Lord. That's all true. But Paul is actually saying something very different here in context. He is talking about life and death, the sum of all things, and contrasting that with unimportant things that we uh, squabble about. He's making a plea for unity, pointing to what unites us, though we still have real disagreements. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying, yes, yes, you have divisions, which are important, but some of these divisions, while important to you and me, are acceptable differences of opinion in the church. You may eat meat, and I maybe don't. You may observe Jewish festivals, and maybe I don't. And, and um, this, this is not, we don't have a really modern day equivalent of this. In our church, we don't have people who observe the Jewish festivals. But we do have disagreements in this very church. We have disagreements over non-essential things. We don't have Jews and Gentiles disagreeing over kosher diet. But we do have maybe disagreements on what, um, what the script, interpretation of Scripture is on this thing or on that thing. We have differences in how we vote. We have an election coming up in November. And each of us are going to go into that, that uh, voting booth or vote by mail. And we may have disagreements about what the proper path forward is. We may differ on how we parent. We may differ on the type of culture that we want to uh, uh, participate in. You know, we may draw lines in different places. These are not unimportant things. They are absolutely important. That's the point. We disagree about things that are important to us, but in the midst of this disagreement, we need to have backup and have some perspective on what is essential. As much as we stick to our guns on these issues, there is a need to be charitable in our disagreements. The easiest thing in the world to do would be to see something that is not essential as, as, as something that is essential. To be like, we disagree with, uh, uh, about this thing, and we're going to make this an essential thing. Paul's saying, no, 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 don't do that. Each of us will have to answer to Jesus Christ. Each of us stands on our own in that regard. So that doesn't mean we totally back off and turn our brains off. We need to find that middle ground where we find the essentials, and we encourage one another in godliness. As I said earlier, uh, if, if we allow a brother or a sister um, down the path of sin, uh, and we don't um, come to them and intervene, um, that is a tremendous uh, act of, of, of not loving that person. We want to recognize what, what is sin, and we want to save them from that, because it's destructive. Doing so avoids moral collapse. So we don't watch people um, do self-destructive things and just stand aside and say, well, I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to speak out of turn. Um, we don't want to let people kill themselves with their behavior, but we intervene for their sake. But we, when we do intervene, we're, we remember about that we are pointing out the sliver in their eye, and we are barely able to see through the plank of wood in our own eye. We do so in a way that acknowledges that we are not without sin. 
there's an old phrase in the church. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In essentials, there are certain things, the authority of Scripture, the ancient creeds of the church, there are certain things which are absolutely essential. And those things, in those things, we need to have unity. Non-essentials, we have liberty. Um, we may disagree. You may want to eat meat. You may want to eat vegetables. Or the, the many other things which, which would apply here. There's liberty in that. We have freedom. But in all things, we must have charity, even when we disagree. There's wisdom in telling the difference between what is essential and what is not essential. There's humility there. There's an acknowledgement that each of us sees in a mirror dimly. Not all things are knowable. God has made some things very clear. Those are the essentials. But that's why the third part of this phrase is so important. In all things, charity. We must be charitable in all things. Whether they seem to us to be the most important things or things of lesser importance, we disagree charitably. We do so out of humility that we may be wrong. We do so because we are reminded by Paul in this reading from Romans. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Meaning, it's not your job to stand in judgment of your brother or sister. But also, um, as you do judge your brother and sister, someday you will have to stand before the judgment seat of God and answer for that. He is the judge. I'm not the judge of you, and you're not the judge of me. He has warned us by judging each other, and if we sin in doing so, we will have to answer for him. Friends, as we regather as a church, we look forward, as we look forward to regathering indoors, a thing that the weather will, will uh, cause us to do sooner rather than later. We may disagree. We may disagree about the timing. We may disagree about um, much of the strategy of, of regathering. But we must move forward with charity. We must do so with humility. Whether we live we live to the Lord. Whether we die, we die to the Lord. So let's live in unity and charity today, and next week, and always. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Um, we are given such wise guidance, Lord. Father, we pray that um, today and, and always that, that um, I, I thank you, Lord, that, that our church is a charitable church. And I just pray that, that, um, that your love and your unity would bind us together today and always. That your charity would bind us together now and always. And Lord, uh, this stands not just for Church of the Resurrection, uh, but your global church. Every group of Christians that are meeting throughout the world today and throughout Sioux Falls today. Lord, bring us together that we all may be one. Pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.